Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. Well, uh, it's good good to be uh, outside in the shade. It's uh, If you were here a couple weeks ago, it was a little rough because we had the the, the uh, everybody was sitting back here in the hot part, and so we figured it out. And so uh, we're thankful that uh, we're able to meet outside. And, and you know, you, you pray and you thank God for the weather, but on days like today when you're actually outside having church, you really thank God for just a beautiful morning. And if you were in Florida, where I'm from, uh, even if it was about 80 degrees, you still wouldn't want to sit outside, even if you were in the shade, because of a small thing called humidity. Uh, and I'm so thankful that here in Northern California, where uh, our humidity is not too bad. This past week, a uh, couple of you, uh, more than a couple of you, but I saw a couple uh, posts online. Uh, probably many of you, we did a thing called Pay It Forward on Thursday. And uh, if you were here with us last week, what we encourage you to do is to take an invite card and go to your favorite coffee shop, a pl- you know, place where you eat, and pay for the person behind you, and then leave uh, an invite card and just a way to encourage our community. And so I know uh, my family went to Starbucks, and we we did that. And I think we probably had the person behind us that was buying for the whole school. I, I told the lady, I'm like, yeah, I want to pay for the person behind me. She's like, it's like $25. I said, well, all right, let me put a little more money on my app here and, and do it. But uh, it was a blessing. And, and I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you where you go up to bu- buy your food or your drink in the drive through and they're like, you know what, the person in front of you paid for you. And it's just an encouraging thing. And so uh, we're going to continue to do things like that, just simple ways to show our community that they're loved and uh, just some fun ways to invite people to church. Uh, this past week, I don't know if you've ever done this, but this past week, I found myself doing something that I, I usually don't do, and, and here's what it was. Uh, on Instagram, you can put a live video up, and, and you, if you have Instagram, you know that, and you can watch a live video that somebody is doing, and, and usually what I'll do when there's a live video of somebody that I know, I might click on it for like 30 seconds or a minute, and usually I don't stay on it very long. Maybe you're the type that, man, when, you, when Instagram comes on and there's a video, you, you watch the whole thing. But I usually don't. I usually will watch it for a second. I might, like, thumbs up or heart something and, like, say something, one phrase, and then I'm off to the next thing. But this week, I found myself watching uh, an Instagram live video, and I watched it, and I was really kind of drawn into it for, like, 30 minutes and it was a girl by the name of Lexi Bragg. She is my wife's best friend, has a couple daughters, and Lexi's her, her oldest daughter. And Lexi, about six or seven months ago, started a company called the Happy Camper Shop. And she lives in Houston. She's a sophomore in college, and she makes uh, like handmade things. She's starting to sell some clothes. And, and so she started this company about six or seven months ago. 
and she was doing an Instagram live video to answer questions for people that followed her. And I remember as I was watching this, I was just very intrigued and very drawn in as people from all over the world were asking her questions about her life, about her company, about her products, about her faith. And I was so impressed with her because this, this is a girl that took an idea that she had about seven or eight months ago. She's put tons of hours. She's made some really wise decisions. And now she's about to head off to her sophomore year of college and she was being bombarded with questions from all over the world, people just wanting to know different things about her company. And I, I was leaning in because I was so impressed. And what's interesting about social media, and you know this, it provides a platform for people like Lexi that gain credibility with their product and with, with their business to, to really gain credibility quickly. And that's what has happened with her because of her hard work, because she has great products, because she's made some great decisions. Now she has several thousand people following her, people buying her products. And, and that's the beauty of social media. But another thing about social media that is maybe not as beautiful is people that don't deserve to have credibility giving us all of their opinions. It's the 22-year-old guy that's sitting in his mom and dad's basement eating Captain Crunch and, and between playing video games, he's giving his great insight and wisdom to the business leaders of today. And, and, and he's in there, still hadn't taken his pajamas off for like three days. And, and he has no credibility, but yet, man, he's bringing his opinion out just like he's an expert. Where, where Lexi is somebody that had worked so hard and has a great product and now she's gained a lot of credibility because of it. And, and credibility, and you know this, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you, you know this, credibility is gained when we live out what we believe. When, when somebody believes something, when somebody has something in their life and they actually live out what they say they are, it gains some credibility. And we started a letter by a guy that had a lot of credibility with the people he was writing to. We started a letter, it was called Ephesians, that a guy by the name of Paul wrote. And he wrote it in 62 AD and he wrote it from prison. And he wrote it to a group of people that he had spent three years with, a group of people that he loved dearly, a group of people that he had ministered to and had actually helped them start their church. And so Paul had a ton of credibility with these people because he wasn't just somebody that they heard talk, they saw his life lived out. And so Paul in this letter, he takes the first kind of section of the letter, maybe the first half of the letter, which is what we've talked about the last few weeks, and he talks a lot about what he believes and what's true about God and what's true about salvation, and he, he kind of lays out in, in, in uh, kind of church world kind of doctrine, we, we call it doctrine or theology, he kind of lays that out in the first half of his book. But then in the second half of the letter, which is what we're about to start today, he makes a transition. And he goes from talking about, here's what we believe, and here's what we're thankful to for God about, to very practical implications of that. That about marriage, about employee and boss relationships, about parenting. 
and he gets really practical. And these people, he was able to talk about this with these people because he had such credibility with them that he could talk about sensitive issues in their life because of his life. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, if you have the app, you can pull it up. Or if you have a a phone that has a Bible on it or something, you can pull it up. Ephesians chapter 4, here's what Paul says as he enters kind of the second half of his letter. He says this. He says, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. So Paul says, hey, the, the first kind of section of my letter I've just talked about my beliefs and salvation and what we believe about God and because of that what I'm about to tell you from prison is based on what I've already told you he says I therefore a prisoner of the Lord see not only did Paul talk about his beliefs but he backed them up as he literally was suffering for the Lord as he's writing this And so you you probably have been around people that, man, they can talk a big game. They can spout off what they believe, but then you look at their life and their life doesn't back it up. But then you've got other people that, man, you, you watch what they, how they live and you know what they believe and their life backs up what they believe. And that's what Paul was. He's literally sitting in prison when most people would be feeling sorry for themselves and he's just talked to them about doctrine and about what they believe about God and salvation. And now he says, hey, I want to get into some practical things and, and I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And, and he says this in this next phrase. He says... I urge you, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge or beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So Paul, as he transitions in his letter, he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, and and as as strong of a word as I can use, he says, I I urge or I beg you. Like if you're if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, you can understand this. There's some things that you want your kids or grandparents to get, or not grandparents, your kids or your grandkids to get. And you and you when you sit down with them and it's like, man, this is so important. Please catch this. Paul says, I beg you to get this. He says, I urge you or beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. And that word worthy, and here's what's important that we understand. You remember when you were a little kid, and when you would go to the playground, so you have your slide, and you have your swings, and all the different stuff, but then there was this thing called a seesaw. And you usually wanted to get on the seesaw with somebody that weighed about what you weigh. Because if you were like the skinny kid in class, and you got on the seesaw with the big kid in class, it usually didn't go well for you. Because the seesaw was like a scale and it would go up and down based on the weight of the person on each side. And if you were like really mean, and you did this, yeah, I'm sure you did, I know I did. Like when the person on the other end wasn't looking, you would jump off the seesaw and they would hit the ground quick. And you probably never did that, but I did that. And the, the reason I'm talking, you're like, why are we talking about a seesaw? Because this word worthy that Paul's talking about, he says, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The word worthy literally means equal weight. Basically what Paul's saying is, hey, 
Your calling is right here, and I want your life to match your calling. I don't want your calling to weigh outweigh your life. I want your life and your calling to be of equal weight. There's a bunch of people that live their life, that have such a calling on their life, that have so much opportunity and purpose, and their life never matches up with their calling. Their calling always outweighs their life. And Paul says, in the strongest way he could, I beg you to walk worthy of your calling. I beg you to live a life that weighs the same amount as your calling. I want you to understand your purpose. I want you to understand the grace of God. I want you to understand the gift of salvation. I want you to understand the hope you have in the future. And I want you to live your life in equal way to your calling. And then he goes on and he he lays out a little bit of what that looks like. He says, I want you to live a life worthy of of your calling and then the very next phrase he says is this with all humility and and in this uh culture in the greek culture humility was considered a vice that was only practiced by slaves so in our culture you'd say man if if you come across somebody and, and you say man that's a very humble person they have a lot of humility that's usually a compliment most of the time in our society back then it was like saying yeah they're an alcoholic Or they're a thief. Or they're humble. Like it it fit in the same. It was a vice. And Paul's saying, I want you to walk in a way where your life and your calling equal out. And what that looks like, it looks like humility. And what what he goes on and he says, not only does it look like humility, he says, with all humility and gentleness. That word gentleness is another word for meekness. In most settings... Especially if you're a dude, you're probably not like, you know what, what I want to be known for is I just want to be known for gentleness. If I can just be known for gentleness, that's like the thing I want to, that's usually not something that in our society is something that is the, the top thing on the list of a guy like, hey, that's what I want the top thing to be known about is gentleness. But, but what the word gentleness means, it means meekness. It means extreme power that's under control. And so Paul says, I want you to walk in a way that's worthy of your calling with humility and with gentleness or meekness, with power that you have on the inside, but power that's under control. And then he says this, he goes on. He says, with patience. You're like, Paul, I wish you wouldn't have said that one. That's the one I struggle with. I wish you would have left that one off the list. But with patience, and and basically patience means long-tempered. Does anybody struggle with a short temper? Probably all of us. Paul says, you know what? I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. And what that's going to look like, it's going to look like a patient person. Bearing with one another in love. And then he goes on and he says this. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So what, what Paul's just described is basically he's just described Jesus. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. I want your calling on your life, and I want your life to be of equal weight. And if that's going to happen, it's going to look a lot like Jesus. 
It's going to look a lot like humility. It's going to look a lot like meekness. It's going to look a lot like patience. It's going to look a lot like unity. And if you were to look in Philippians chapter 2, another letter that Paul wrote, you would hear him talk about how Jesus left heaven to come to earth, made himself of no reputation, took on our sin, and basically took on himself the picture of a slave. And as Paul's writing, he says, you know what? This is what I hope for you. This is what I beg you to catch. That you would walk in a way that your life and your calling are of equal weight. And it's going to look a lot like Jesus if that happens. And what's interesting is when followers of Jesus live like Jesus, it brings about unity. Unity among Jesus followers was a huge deal to Paul because it was a huge deal to Jesus when he was on earth. Did you know this? Whether you grew up in church or not, whether you're investigating faith or not, you'd probably be interested to know this. Did you know that when Jesus was on earth, he actually prayed for you and me? You're like, oh, in general, I'm sure, but no, no, no. He prayed for you and he prayed for me. And, and you know what his prayer was? In John chapter 17, Jesus is, is praying, he's talking to God, and he's just prayed and talked to God about his disciples, kind of the guys that he had been with, that had been following him, and he prayed specifically for them. But then what he does after he's done praying for them is he starts to pray for you and for me. Here's what he says, and look at what he prays for. He says this, I do not ask for these only. I, I don't, I'm not just praying for my disciples, but I've got some other people, God, I want to pray for. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus even prayed, Jesus prayed, hey, God, I'm praying for my disciples, but I'm also praying for the people that will believe in me because of their word. And here's what I'm praying for them, that they will be one, that they will be unified. And he says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Some of you, you may have walked away from the church at a time in your life. Because you saw the opposite of this. You, you may have walked away from the church because you saw a lot of disunity. You saw a lot of drama. And you thought, you know what, I've got enough drama in my life. I don't need to add the church's drama. So I'm just going to do without the church for this season. And, and unfortunately, the church of Jesus Christ, not the one that represents Jesus Christ, but, but the one that claims to represent him, and in many ways doesn't do this well. Because in many ways, people that say they're followers of Jesus don't live a life that's worthy of their calling. They're called to something and their life doesn't match up. And so you see disunity all under the umbrella of Jesus. And the thing that Jesus himself prayed for is that we would be one, that we would be unified. And so Paul, as he's talking to these people, this is a problem that, that wasn't, isn't just a problem for today because he was addressing it. It must have been a problem back then. And, and here's what Paul says. Because I, I'm guessing some of us in the crowd, 
you'd say, you know what, I've, I've, I've experienced a lot of disunity around people that call themselves Jesus followers. And I've, I've experienced a lot of gossip, and I've experienced a lot of talking behind people's back, and, I've ex- and you can just fill in the blank, and it, it was all done by people that would say they're a follower of Jesus. And what Paul's saying is, man, I beg you to walk in a life that's worthy of your calling. And part of that is going to be a unity that will literally attract people that aren't believers in Jesus to become believers in Jesus. And so Paul goes on and he talks about some of the important things that unite us. If you look at verse 4, he says this. He says, there's one body. It's not a white body, it's not a black body, it's not a Jew body, it's not a Gentile body, it's one body. When you become a follower of Jesus, you are a part of one body, and the scripture says that Jesus is the head, and we make up the rest of the body, and there's no varsity or JV parts on the body, like everyone's important to the body, and we're one. That's what Paul said. He says not only is there one body, but there's one spirit. The same spirit that indwells believers and teaches and convicts and encourages them is the same spirit that if you're a follower of Jesus, every one of us has. The same spirit that Paul had. There's not like a a spirit for these people and a spirit for these people. It's the same spirit. It's the same body. And then he says this, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, there's one hope. Like, for some of, uh, and I will say maybe other people, not, not of course not the people that are here, but we got to figure out how to get along with each other because we're going to go to the same place for eternity. He says, he says, there's one hope. There, there's not like three heavens. There's not like a couple neighborhoods you can choose from. If you don't like the person on this road, you buy a house on this road. No, there's one hope. There's one eternity ahead of us. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to the same place. And and Paul's saying there's one body, there's one spirit, there's one hope. There's a lot to unify around. And then he says this, he says there's one Lord. That word Lord is master. There's one one master. There's one person that we should follow, and it's the Lord. And then he says this, and this is where... We get in trouble sometimes. He says there's one faith. And basically what he means here is, hey, there's there's one set of beliefs. That if you're a follower of Jesus and you're part of this body, there's a set of beliefs that unify us. There's a set of beliefs that if you're a follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus believes. And then there's also a set of beliefs that followers of Jesus can disagree on but there's certain things that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus like you can't disagree on a few things but then there's a lot of other things that we make a big deal of that honestly we can all disagree on and we're all still going to heaven we all can have a relationship with Jesus and disagree on a few things but but some of the things Paul was talking about is this he's as he's talking about one faith he's some of those beliefs is this like Jesus is God He's not a good person. He's not a prophet. He's God. And that's one of those beliefs that every follower of Jesus has to embrace. 
And if you don't embrace that, then you're not a follower of Jesus. And another one is this. Salvation is not earned, but is a gift God gave us by grace. So if, if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you might be here and you say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I'm still investigating faith, that's okay. But if you're a follower of Jesus, then one of the things you believe is that salvation is not something that you earned. It's something that you were given as a gift. And if you believe you earned it, then you're not a follower of Jesus. That's what Paul says. But then there's a lot of other things that we can disagree on. Like, for instance, there's different people that believe different things about spiritual gifts. And you can believe different things about spiritual gifts and still be a follower of Jesus. There, there's uh, different things people believe uh, about a lot of things that aren't the essentials that Paul was talking about. But Paul's point to these people is, you know what? There's a lot to unify around. And if you're a follower of Jesus that's living a life worthy of your calling, it's going to look a lot like Jesus, and it's going to be a unifying presence. And then Paul finishes up this section. He says, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So let me, let me throw out two statements. That I want you to think about. And I want you to argue. If you, if you need to argue with me in your head about these two statements. Feel free to. But, but I think these are both very true. When my life. Reflects my calling. It brings about unity and impact. When my life and my calling are of equal weight. Some of the fruit of that is unity. And impact. And here's the second statement. When my life does not reflect my calling, it produces instability, disunity, and regret. See, I think what Paul, what he would say to us if he was here and what he wanted his, uh, the people that were reading this letter to understand is, you know what? If your calling and your life are of equal weight, it's going to bring you a lot of stability. It's going to be a lot less anxiety. It's going to be a lot less frustration. It's going to be a lot less regret. Jesus' brother said it this way in James. He said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and I would guess that you and I have both at times in our life lived a life that wasn't equal to our calling. And because of that, we have some regret. We, we face some frustration we probably have some anxiety because when our life doesn't match up what we're called to, it produces things that we don't like. I wrote this in my notes. Could it be the gap between who we are in Christ and the life we live is the cause for much of our frustration and regret? Could it be that our calling and the life we live, this gap that's in between, is the reason that we have a lot of frustration and regret and worry because our life and our calling aren't matching up. I would guess that no matter what age you are, no matter where you are on your journey of faith, I would guess that a few things are true about you just like they are at me, that you're probably a pretty big fan of stability in your life. You're probably a fan of having peace in your heart. You probably like joy. 
and, and you like living a life that leaves an impact, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, probably most of us would say, yeah, I, all those things I'd love to have. I'd love to have peace, joy. I'm a big fan of that. Man, I want to leave an impact. Yeah, I don't want to live a life that's, that's all about anxiety and worry every single day and frustration. Yeah, I, I would love to have a life that doesn't have those things. But I want you to think about your life. Have there been times in your life where you've had a lot of anxiety, you've had a lot of frustration because you felt like, man, my life, what I expected my life to look like and what I think my life is supposed to be and where I really am are two totally different places. And, and if you felt that way, I know I have. There's been seasons in my life where what I knew I was called to and what I really wanted my life to look like and what it did, what it really looked like were so opposite. And because of that, it didn't, it didn't breed a lot of good things. What, what would happen if we never felt that way again? Like, what would we have to do to not feel that way? What would we have to do to not have to put a, a fake face on for people and say everything's great when everything's not great. When, when on, on the inside we're frustrated, on the inside we're, we're worried, on the inside we're, we're not sure what's going on in life, but yet in front of everybody else where, man, we try to put on the best face possible, what would have to happen if we were not going to feel that way and we could actually smile because that's what was happening on the inside? A few things I wrote. I think it starts with being honest with God and others. I, th I think sometimes, even if it, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I think sometimes we, we think if we don't tell God stuff, we keep it from him. Like, I don't want to talk to God about this issue in my life. And he's like, do you know who I am, right? Like, I, I am God, so I actually know all that stuff already. And, and you're just holding back, talking to me about something, and I already know about it. In fact, James says it this way, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Like you're being proud and you're not telling me what's really happening on your heart. And why don't you just bring this to me? Why don't you just admit that your life and your calling don't match up? Just be honest with God and, and, and be honest with others. Like, like for some of us, the, the most powerful healing thing we could ever do is apologize to somebody and say, you know what, the way my life is and the way my life should be are not the same. And I need to apologize for that because it's affected you. And so I think it starts right there. And I think if we can't get, if we don't get past the honesty part, whether you're watching online or you're here, if, if we can never be honest with God and we can't be honest with others, then we're just going to live the rest of our life just kind of never totally being fulfilled and always having a low-grade frustration and regret in our heart because we never caught life like we should have or we thought we should. So it starts with being honest with God. I think, think the next thing it's, we have to spend time reminding ourselves of truth. Is anybody, and you don't have to raise your hand because I know everyone in here would raise their hand. You forget things once in a while? Like, do you forget truth once in a while? Like, man, I've been told this or read this 150 times, but yet I forget it and I act like I don't know it. Like, I've read and 
know that I'm supposed to love my wife like Christ loved the church, but I have to pray every single day that I'll do that. You think, man, you're 40-some years old. You, is there like, could you skip a day and still be all right? Probably not, because I forget. And, and I think for, for a lot of us, if we're going to live a life that's worthy of our calling, we have to admit, you know what? I can't do it on my own. I need God. I need to be honest about these things. And I need to be reminded of truth on a regular basis. There's a young man that, that uh, means a lot to me that we do Proverbs together. And uh, we read Proverbs and, and we'll text different verses that stand out to us on a pretty regular basis. And, and I've read through Proverbs a lot of times. But for me, I, I probably need to read through Proverbs every single day until I go to heaven because I forget the wisdom that's in there and I have to remind myself. And so maybe for you, living a life worthy of your calling, if you're trying to do that without truth in your life on a regular basis, good luck. You're probably not going to do a good job. We, we need whatever it looks like for you. We need that time where we're reminding ourselves on a daily or regular basis of the truth of God's word. But then I think the last thing is simply this. We have to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us to follow Jesus. We need to be honest with God and others. We need to surround ourselves with truth and remind ourselves. But we need people around us that are going to encourage us to walk worthy of our calling, that aren't going to be the type of people to say, you know what, hey, I know you, you're called to this in your life, and, and this is what a follower of Jesus should look like, but I'm going to try to pull you away from that. You need people just like I do in your life that are going to help you walk in a manner worthy of your calling that are going to help you live a life that's equal to what you've been called to. That's why for me, if you come to my house on Tuesday night, you can have some tacos, and you can hang out with our city group because we host a city group at our, our house, and we have host city groups all around the city. And you know why we do that? Because we need to be surrounded by people that encourage us to live like Jesus because we can't do it on our own. Did you know in the, the next three weeks, I hope you'll be back the next three weeks, next week and the uh, weeks after that, I can't fall off the stage because if I do, I'm going to fall into water because we're going to have a baptismal down here of the next three weeks. And next week, absolutely, we're going to celebrate people going public with their faith. And next week, Richard's going to get baptized. The week after that, Tillian's going to get baptized. The week after that, Ethan's going to get baptized. And, and you know what's cool about those three guys? They're all in my city group. And you know what they do for me? They encourage me spiritually, and I hope I do the same thing for them. And they've, they've made their group a really important part of their life. And I think they would say that their group is a, one of the big reasons that they're going public with their faith over the next three weeks. We need each other. See, there's going to come a day that our, our life, and hopefully not anytime soon, but there's going to come a day that our life is going to come to an end here on earth. And I don't know about you. I used to care about what a lot of people thought. I really don't anymore. I care about what a few people think. And here's what I hope. I hope that the people that know me the best will be able to say, my dad, my husband, my friend 
lived a life equal to his calling. Not his calling as a pastor, but his calling as a follower of Jesus. And one day you're going to go, and it's going to be the last few days of your life. And you know what I hope for you? I hope for you, whether you're 15 right now or whether you're 85, that when that day comes, that the people that know you best will be able to look at you and with honesty be able to say, he or she lived a life worthy of the calling Jesus put on their life. And you know what's going to be more important than that day? It's going to be the day that we stand before Jesus and we look at his nail-scarred hands and his, his head that has been scarred because of the crown of thorns. And we look at him and, and if we could be able to say, Jesus, thank you for giving your best for me. I tried to do the same for you. And to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's, let's bow our heads as we, we close up. I, w- I want us to... Let's just bow our heads quietly. And just in the quietness of this outside area, if you're somebody that's either watching online or maybe you're, uh, you're here, maybe you're listening to this on a podcast, and you would say, Chris, I'm a follower of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you be willing to be honest with God? Just in the quietness of, of this outside area, would you... Be willing to be honest with God. You don't even have to say, I'm going to go all out for God. But would you just at least be willing to be honest? Take that one step of saying, God, my life and the calling you put on my life and where my life is now, they're not the same. And as we're thinking about God, it's important that we remember that he loves us and he wants his best for us he has a unique plan for us and for some of us today just in the quietness of this moment we just need to be honest with God and what's beautiful about grace is we can restart we can restart we can restart by putting truth into our life we can restart by surrounding ourselves with people that will push us to follow Jesus and we can live a life that's worthy of the calling that we've been given. Maybe you're here and with every head bowed and every eye closed, you maybe are watching online and, and you would say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm investigating faith or uh, I'm not really sure what I believe about this whole Jesus thing. Well, this morning I'd love to tell you and I, I hope that you know this, that God loves you. And God loved you so much, he didn't just talk about it. He proved it to you by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin and for my sin. They put his body in the grave after he died, and he rose from the grave. And he did that so he could have a relationship with you. And if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you would say, Chris, my first step is to start a relationship with Jesus. How would I do that? Well, are you willing to admit to God that you've sinned? Are you willing to admit to God that you're not perfect? Just in the quietness of your heart. God, I admit to you I've sinned. I admit to you I've broken your commandments. Are you willing to believe in your heart that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave that he did that for you? And then are you willing to just humbly come to him 
just humbly come to him and say, Jesus, I, I want to start a relationship with you that will change me for all of eternity. If you're here this morning and you've made a decision to follow Jesus or you're watching online, man, I'd encourage you to maybe on the card that's in front of you in the packet or maybe online on the Connect card, man, just tell us about the decision that you made. Because we would love to pray with you. We would love to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. God, I, I thank you for this letter that Paul wrote. I thank you for Paul's transparency. As I know many times in his writing, he, he admits that he's far from you at times. And that he has done things in his past that he's not proud of. But yet he continued to strive after a relationship with you. And God, I pray for us here, whether we're a follower of Jesus or not, I pray that we would not leave here today without taking a step. And God, if that step is starting a relationship with you, I pray that people would do that. Lord, I pray if, if that step is just being honest with you or with other people, I pray that people would be willing to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.